Welcome to the Top Order Podcast. It's Ashes Week again, this time with the women's test match taking place at Trent Bridge. We'll go into that as well as India's test squad for the West Indies is announced. The Lord's Test build-up. World Cup qualifiers, Logan Van Beek 30 off one over. We're going to squeeze some New Zealand news into this podcast Ooh. somehow. We'll also talk a little bit of White Ferns and we might get to Michael Bracewell <laughs> this week as well. All coming up on the Top Order Podcast. Stay tuned. Well, can I just start by issuing a formal apology for cutting Stu off? I wasn't in the, might have been in the last podcast, but it certainly I did cut him off. Uh, we had Michael Bracewell on the agenda, and I got all excited about something. I can't remember what it was, probably about talking about the Ashes, and I cut you off. So, Stuart, I, I issue a, a formal, um, full apology. Acknowledged. Um, to, no, don't to, worry, to you. there's plenty of New Zealand content this week. I think James and Warren. And here was me thinking you were about to apologise for giving me shit for yeah. missing the intro three times last week. And well, then you were na- perfect. Na- nailing it, it first. Was good, it was good this time. Yep. Well, look, let's get into the, the pod. Um, look, I think there's a lot going on in, in the in the cricketing world. When we probably broke last week after that test match, we, uh, I think, had planned yeah, Hall of Fame con- and, and some other bits and pieces this mm-hmm. week. But lots going on. Um, hot off the presses as well, not, in the, not even making it into the Slack intro, was the fact the World Cup fixtures are out as well. Um, oh, okay. Literally just been announced over mm-hmm. the course of the last couple of hours or so. Mm-hmm. Um, opening fixture, for those of you that are interested, is the 5th of October. Um, also known as my birthday, um, and it's England versus New Zealand. First, I did hear that that yeah, was going to be the fixture, first fixture um, yeah. of the World Cup. And India um, play Australia on the eighth, so that's covered. Um, I guess the teams around uh, this table still, obviously, the the qualifying situation to to figure out, which we'll come on to. Um, a little bit later on we do obviously want to talk some ashes we've had um, look I I guess a classic test at Trent Bridge for the women's ashes which we'll come on to but first probably a week or so ago um, news broke that India have announced their test squad for the West Indies looks a little bit like some yeah I don't know punitive damages for Pajara he's you know he's uh, he's been axed after his World Test Championship final performance but rewards for IPL performances with uh, Jaiswal and Gaikwad both getting into um, the squad as well and looks like one of them is probably going to slot into that order I'm not sure exactly where but yeah th- thoughts on that squad they've rested a couple as well so it's not like they're picking their their first choice squad to go to the West Indies is it I don't think well, and they have a lot out as yeah. well with Pant, Aya, Bumrah, and who else is on my notes here? KL Rahul as well. Yeah. So a bit of damage to the batting there. But I think it's an all right squad. They're clearly looking ahead two years, you know, at the World Test Championship as a whole. And um, I think it's exciting having those guys in there. Maybe a slightly different brand of cricket too. Yeah, well, I did have to just change my notes because I assumed we were going to start with New Zealand, the Logan Van Beek, you know, when we were talking, you know, seeing as we're a New Zealand podcast and all, but I, I, I assume you're going to segue us back then quite nicely after We'll we- do it right at the end, I yeah, think. Yeah, okay, we're, okay. We're, 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 we'll start in the Northern Hemisphere and get to the Southern Hemisphere. We're a global cricket podcast, I guess too. we are. I we're big we are. in Canada this week, in fact, if you look at the stats. So, fantastic, yeah, anyway. fantastic. That's good to know. But I, I also had a similar thing, because uh, I know there's been some outrage about Pujara and you know, him essentially being the scapegoat for the World Test Championship yep. failure, I guess, if you want to be that harsh. You know, there's two good teams in that line, that, that test match and, uh, you know, only one of them's come away with the win. But obviously India gets the most scrutiny because they're, you know, a massive cricketing nation and, and it's been a while since they've won a tournament. But I think I had very similar thing to you, Raj, in that basically the squad suggests they're looking to the next World Test Championship final. And they're going, okay, well, who's going to be there in that time? Mm. And people like Jaiswal and Gaikwad, 
they're going to be the important players at that time. We know if we look at New Zealand and what no, the last 12 months has been for New Zealand, it's been everyone kind of complaining, going, why is New Zealand not succession planning and doing all these kind of things? New Zealand probably doesn't have the depth necessarily to do that. India does. And we're about to see if that depth can, can actually deliver on the big stage. Do you think the inclusion of those two guys, you, you mentioned it, I think the points to the brand of cricket that they might want to play. I, I guess for me, there's just a little bit of a disconnect in they've, they've kept uh, KS Barrett in the, the squad who averages about 20 odd, it, you know, isn't, I don't think going to sort of play in that explosive way, like a, certainly like a Rishabh Pant or, or, or Kishan. Mm. It seems strange that kind of their first choice would be Pant. You go onto your depth chart and it, it doesn't seem like an exact replacement, but then Jaiswell and Gaikwad for me, signal that they you know i'm, I'm not going to say they're going to mirror basball but it seems as if they might be going for that more positive uh top order uh, play rather than the you know the traditional stodgy number three yeah i mean that's effectively what they've done is they've swapped out styles but i still think there's room for a player like that in an indian lineup i mean we saw uh dravid be that guy for many many years for india and they batted you know four or five world-class stroke makers around him mm. um you know Lots of nations have done that to a to a you know a, a very high standard. You know, I, I just go back to his last ten bats. He's got three hundreds. I mean, three of them are playing county cricket in Spigari, England. To be yeah. fair, yeah. So in his last ten bats, he's got a seventy-seven, a hundred and thirty-six, and a hundred and fifty-one, and a hundred and fifteen. And, you know, some non-starts in amongst them. But, you know, you bat at three, sometimes you nick off. So, I mean, it's not like he's out of form. And he's got a 50 against Australia in the last series at home. Mm -hmm. Yes, he didn't he didn't make runs in the World Test Championship final. But you're not going to make runs every time. I, 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 I wonder if India's game plan is set up for them for success, if they're going to have six guns all, all stroke makers and no one to bat around in that top order but we'll, time will tell we'll but see that, how they go I think we might be being a little harsh maybe on Jaiswal and Gaikwad because they actually do have really good first class numbers they as well Jaiswal's is he averages 80 I mean he's early in his test career only 15 or first class career sorry only 15 15 matches first class matches and 26 innings but yeah averaging 80 you can't argue with that yeah I think the next cab's off the rank and you've got remember Aya and Rahul Sitting on the pine at the moment, I also think that Rahani, even though he did well in the, you know, the World Test Championship final, I think that he was maybe lucky to to escape or miss out on the X here. I think there is a a thought process around uh, experience going to the West Indies. He's been named as vice captain, yeah. which you know, based on Rohit Sharma's you know form with injury, mm -hmm. uh, may mean that he is a captain at some stage during the, the that Test tour as well. Um, but yeah, I, I think those guys are, are well deserving, and their their eleven still looks incredibly strong. Oh, yeah, it does so uh, even with those injuries. Um, is Jaiswal left-handed? Forgive me for asking a real dumb question. Yeah. yeah. Interesting that Ravi Shastri came out mm. this week and said that he wants two left-handers in the top six for that India side for the World Cup. So maybe they're looking at one or the one of these guys. Maybe Jaswell's going to get a run in the West Indies with an eye to the fifty over World Cup later on in the year, having two left-handers in the in the top six for India. Watch the space. Cool. Well, look, let's move on from uh, yeah from the the test. Uh, the men's test game at least and we'll, we'll talk some women's cricket and the Ashes test at Trent Bridge Baldy um, look I don't want to make this a bloody theme of the English summer that we come <laughs> to you first as the as the victor the one thing I just really do want to point out is how impressed I was with Alyssa Healy comes out on day mm. five that she's actually keeping wicket with a broken finger two broken fingers uh, 
a broken finger on each hand is what I was going to finish my <laughs> sentence, but that's all right. Um, you, you, you'll be getting interrupted about Logan Van Beek again later on, and you, you're unlikely to get Michael Bracewell in. But yeah, broken digit on each hand, I believe. I'll get this the wrong way around now, and you can correct me, but uh, index finger on the right hand and ring finger on the left hand. In, in fact, no, it is the other way around. Um, struggle to grip the bat, but put a, a really, really valuable uh, 50 on the board in that second innings. And then, I, I'm just so impressed with the way she keeps and she really does look well she looks like her uncle from a keeping perspective, perspective yep. she, you know, she's not got the double chin and mm-hmm. uh, and whatnot but certainly with the cookerbro <laughs> gloves and uh, you know stance and setup etc she's a brilliant wicket keeper she really is mm, yeah um, a soft focus on the lens and you turn the stump mic off and you could be looking at, at, at Ian I don't Hughes. know you need to turn the stump mic off Twin. there's plenty of chatter from, yeah, from there's here plenty of ordinary chat that's it's, for sure it's, it's cleaner in that there's less swearing um, <laughs> and fewer references to Mars bars on a good length this look, like, this test was incredible like if, if you just have a look at the highlights of this test match you've got a 99 from Elise Perry Annabelle Sutherland makes 137 and Sophie Eccleston bowls 46 overs and takes five wickets. That's in the first innings. Australia make 470. Tammy Beaumont then sets records and makes 208 for England in the second innings. Ash Gardner takes 499 and Australia sneak by with like a 10-run advantage. And and it looks like it's going to be a draw from here, like 470 Mm. plays 460. Mm. You know, there are roads in Australia that that are less well put together than the one at Trent Bridge if you look at the scores in the first innings then Alyssa um, Alyssa Healy with 17 broken fingers um, on on three ducks in a row at test level by the way she was on a double pair and then goes out and makes 50 off 66 Sophie Eccleston takes another five wicket haul I think that's 10 for 10 for in a match yeah and that I think is like if not best figures for her then certainly very very close to it and one of the best sets of figures for England uh, and then sort of chasing two six eight for victory, which would have been the highest ever chase for the England women. Um, Danny White makes 54, and Ash Gardner takes eight for 66 and bowls Australia to victory on the final day. So, like, if you look at entertainment, in the words of Russell Crowe, a.k.a. Marcus Aurelius, a.k.a. the... <laughs> A.K.A. Mr. South Sydney, A.K.A. the phone thrower. Have I, you got this written down or is that coming <laughs> no, no, from your subconscious? That's coming from my subconscious. I'm in good form tonight. Are you not entertained, everyone? <laughs> it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic out- outcome. And look, they only get to play one test match, but this is the first result in a test match, I think, between Australia and England since 2015. It's also the first time a test match has gone five days. Yeah, This what? is an advertisement for five-day test cricket. What? I'm pretty sure it's the first five-day test they've played as well. Yeah. Historically, they've been four-day four test days, matches, yep, haven't they? So, yep. um, yeah, look, really good that we got that that fifth uh, fifth day in. Um, Baldy, do you think... Uh, so, you know, my natural disposition is to be disappointed with mm-hmm. England. Um, I, I, <laughs> is, it, is it really? Yeah, we haven't <laughs> noticed. Um, I... Look, I I always thought coming up against the champion side that we were going to have a real fight in our hands on day five, and obviously that turned out to be the case in the end, losing by I think eighty odd uh, eighty odd runs. Yeah. But it, it felt to me as if England did just throw away a little bit of an opportunity. Uh, Heather Knight um, came in and looked like a cat on a hot tin roof. Was you know she got a I think a slog sweep away for six actually was her off the mark shot I think, mm-hmm. um, and then essentially repeated dose and and, and was LB. Uh, Nat Siverbrunt came in. She's tried to smack one from Nottingham to Leicester and, and she's got caught 
Um, and then and then even after that, you've got um, Amy Jones, who got the Night Watchman or Night Hawk or whatever you want to call it, Kate <laughs> yeah. Cross, who normally about stand the order came in and, and protected Amy Jones and, and potentially Sophie Eccleston as well. She had a massive Yahoo got stumped. And as well as Ash Gardner bowled, it wasn't really ragging miles. A few did. A few, the one a, that got a, Knight a, was a few did, really nice. But it, it wasn't a minefield. No. Um, and she actually got... Um, two or three wickets with the, with the one that just didn't spin and went yes, straight on the true. stumping and the oh, I think the two catches for Healy as well. So the, yeah, the LB she, the, the Aussies have just cornered the market of coming around the wicket. The, the off spinners coming around the wicket, just following the that Nathan Lyon thing that we talked about last week, going around the wicket, pitching it on middle, hitting middle stump. But, really nice. But I guess it, my question is: Is that a bit of a disservice on England, and it's actually more around the Australian performance? Or you know, did, did you at any stage have a little bit of worry in that chase? Oh, when Tammy Beaumont made two hundred and eight, I thought this was <laughs> going to be a really, really interesting Test match. And I thought if Tammy Beaumont gets anywhere near going in the second innings, it, yeah. like two fifty seven or two sixty, was in a lot of trouble. I actually think a major turning point in that match was actually the start of the third innings. Uh, the partnership that. Uh, Mooney and Phoebe, Phoebe Litchfield. Litchfield put in. Yeah. Phoebe Litchfield is actually my my star of this match. I know she didn't have the same returns as a few of the others in this game, but she looked really good, and she's going to be around for she's a 20. long time. She is a really, really good player. I mean, she burst onto the scene in the WBBL a few years ago as a 15, 16-year-old. She is a serious cricketer. Keeps wicket as well, I think. I don't know. Maybe she does. Yeah, I think they were mentioning that leading into that one-day series. They've obviously got Beth Mooney, who, who's got the gloves as well. But mm. uh, whether, um, yeah, you wouldn't bet against a Healy playing with a broken finger, that's no, for sure, exactly. uh, leading in. Well, and I think your point about the the fact that, yeah, a lot of those English players seemed very comfortable at the crease. I mean, even I, I had my notes, you know, I was watching last night, 167 for seven, and Wyatt and Eccleston are at the crease, and they're actually looking quite comfortable. There's 100 to get, and you're kind of like, well, if they had a couple of boundaries here and kind of get on a roll, it doesn't look like there's any trouble and they could put this partnership together. You're starting to think, okay, well, last week we just saw, yeah. you know, Lyon and Cummins do this. and Same and thing. Put on, yeah, we could be in for the exact same thing. And then, yeah, Gardner yeah. goes around the wicket, picks up that LBW of, of Eccleston and, you know, fell away. But, yeah. yeah. It looked like test cricket, though, didn't it, with a sweeper out and they're just letting them have one um, compared <laughs> to the, the, the previous week where yeah, certainly when England had a spinner on, they had everybody in the... In the ten-yard circle, let alone the 30, 30 yard circle. So, Bordy, we're leading into six white ball games now. So, three three ODIs, three T twenties, I believe. And I think England have got to win five of them, something like that. Yeah. Um, so, I think each of the so it's a two points for each. Two of those points games. for the ODIs, and I think one for the T twenties. So there might only be two T twenties, I think maybe, because um, it's I think it's out of twelve, something like that. It's twelve points on offer, and Australia can, have taken a four nil lead thus far. Can you explain the point situation for you know all of our viewers and and Raj doesn't understand the point situation. Uh, so in this in this particular format, Australia versus England for women, it's a a multi-format Ashes. So it's one test. I think it's three ODIs and a couple of T20s. I'm not sure. It might be two. Might be three. Mm. Um, the test is worth four points. Mm. Each of the ODIs is worth two points, and each of the T20s, I believe, is worth one point. Um, and it's you know best of twelve. I think in in that particular scenario. And I don't know what happens if they finish if they finish on six each. Yeah, so it is three of each, Baldi. Oh, so three, yeah, three T20s, so finishing at uh, finishing at Lords, and then Four, uh, ten, three, so thirteen points mm-hmm. on offer, and then three ODIs finishing at uh, Taunton, which is normally a, a pretty good pace, uh, a pretty good place to bat, um, and also uh, spin as well. So that's so Jack Leach is 
uh, Jack Leach's home ground. So that's coming thick and fast. And I think we were talking off air. It's really good how the ECB have scheduled these games so that we've got this continuous flow of Ashes cricket. Just constant mm. ashes, um, isn't it? Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, we're here. We've got to talk about a little bit about the the off-field stuff that's been happening in the, in the men's ashes this week. A lot of the, the banter, I guess, that we saw from both players and commentators and anyone who wants to stick their oar in has just continued and maybe even escalated this week. Ollie Robinson obviously is still public enemy number one in Australia and everyone and everyone in Australia kind of chiming in. But England just doubling down on all of their comments. Zach Crawley predicting 150 run wins and everyone's Ollie Robinson again kind of saying we scared Australia, that we played all the cricket. Baz, Baz saying we won. Doesn't matter. We won. We, you know, <laughs> how are you guys feeling about all this? Like, I guess from an English point of view, this feels very un-English cricket-like to be going to be now sort of the ones sort of calling out Australia and, and goading them really to kind of. In, in years past, you'd think, okay, we don't want to upset this Australian team because this Australian team's going to come back even harder next time. Yeah. Well. I think there's been a lot made of uh, of the chat, and I think if you look at the ma- the vast majority of it, um, it's and we talked about this just before we came on air. A lot of this is around Instagram clicks for these mm. former players, and mm. um, you know, plugging their you know, shitty breakfast radio shows in Australia. <laughs> uh, Michael Clark naming no names. So I think a lot of it is coming from. Uh, yeah, from I, th- I think a little bit of you know clickbait in in the media from the former players. I think if you listen to what's coming out of the the two camps, that you know they actually get on pretty well, and that you know they play a lot of franchise cricket together. I think, um, particularly playing in the, the the couple of COVID bubbles that they've done, they got to know each other pretty well. Mm. And and I think some of, you know some of these comments, I actually just like the fact that there's a little bit of honesty now in these media conferences. It's not you know we'll mm. take the positives out of the game and. Um, you know, we'll learn and we'll go on to next week and we'll dust ourselves off again and all that kind of stuff. They actually are talking like human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and Ollie Robinson's got previous, you know, he went out, I think, as 12th man against India and started getting interviewed at Coley. So even when he's, you know, even when he's not playing, he, he, he wants to have a little bit of a word. <laughs> um, I don't actually mind it. I think it just it just adds to the um, adds to the to the drama. What about for you, Baldy, coming out of the Aussie camp? Uh, you as the least aggressive Australian that I know. <laughs> Pat Cummins is kind of taking the same sort of tack. It's just sort of water off a duck's back with him. He's yeah. talking a lot about playing at the tempo that they want to play, which I find very interesting uh, from a you know vernacular point of view, how they want to play the game. Uh, what do you make of it? It's a long series. I mean, we're not going to know which technique is successful until we get to the end of the third, fourth, fifth test, whatever it is, when the series is decided. All of all it really comes down to now is performance on the field. Um, Glenn McGrath was famous for predicting that yeah. Australia would win 5-0 in every test match. Um, <laughs> the only difference between the comments that Zach Crawley and Ollie Robinson are making and the ones that Australians have made in the past is as it is with every comment that you make in the media, can you back it up with performances on the field that ultimately prove the difference between winning and losing? I like that Zach Crawley said we're going to come out and beat Australia by 150. It's a very positive statement to make. Now he's got to back that up with a performance on the field that turns that into a result. Same thing for Only Robinson. He can say whatever he wants in the media. If he's good enough to come back and put those performances on the on the cricket field, you can say whatever you want. And so now it's up to them to, they've put themselves in the right positive frame of mind. I really like the way that they've gone about it and so we're going to we're going to create a hyper positive mindset around our camp and you can't argue with 
Brendan McCullum. If Brendan McCullum says we feel like we won even though we lost, who are we to argue with that? Like we're not going to be right because that's how he feels. That's how the team feels. Well, listen to you. Listen to you. You're like, you're like the Barney Roney article that I just read on the Guardian. Fantastic you, you, piece of writing, by the way. If yeah, anyone wants, piece to, of writing. I, wants I to have it. a look at that, but, but yeah. You, but you can't argue. It's Cold about light. feeling. It, it, you, you can't argue with that. I mean, the only thing that you can that you can say for certain is what was the result. And so I think we'll look back at that and say, you know, at the end of the series, ultimately, what were the results? Because that's what really matters in an Ashes series. So a lot of yeah, mental jousting no, we're talking about. Not if you're England, though. The result doesn't matter. Well, it's about, it's about winning. It's about changing the game, Baldy. Are you not entertained? Second time tonight. <laughs> I am um, entertained. Mental. There's a, men, a lot of mental jousting going on, but there's also talk about the physical stuff. So we've got, you know, test two and three, I think three days between. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you mentioned it last week that England had opportunity maybe in that first innings to put some overs into the legs of the Australian bowlers, yep. which they didn't take. Uh Pat Cummins talked about it today, bowling or having a longer time between having to bowl 30, 40, 50 overs mm-hmm. in an innings. Do you think that has anything to anything, any thought processes around that or is it all mental jousting? Yeah. I think a lot of it is mental jousting, but I think Australia would, would look at that situation, I think, probably differently from England would. England would say, we'd do the same again. We want to put more time into the game to be able to try and win it. I think Australia would take a view that if we can grind England down a little bit, particularly if they want to play at a hyper, like if they want to put time into the game and we can force them to not do that, that gives Australia a kind of a double-edged advantage because you're nullifying England's strength as well as keeping them out in the field for a longer period of time, you know, because we're batting for long periods. I think Australia will, will try and do the same thing again. I don't know if rope doping England for five test matches and, and wearing them out is going to be successful. You know, I will let you get 390 on day one and still win the test. I don't know if that's a success factor, you know, for for, for, for winning the next two out of the four tests, but we'll, but we'll see. Uh, but I just, yeah, it's it's fa- fascinating at the moment. Yeah, Fascinating I, stuff. I, I don't think England will will buy into a tactic of, of attrition at any point. So I think even if they've got Australia in that position, they will be doing what they've said they're going to do, which is they want to take the game forward. So I, I don't see them going, we want to get another 80 runs here and another 20 overs to make Cummins bowl another 10. Their only question, I think, in their decision-making process is, is this moving the game forward? Mm-hmm. Um, I still think we'll be having a conversation that, um, from my perspective, England moved the game forward in favour of Australia and to their detriment. Um, I, I still think there was, pl- you know, there was plenty of time left in that game. Another 20 or 30 runs or uh, certainly coming back and batting the next morning wouldn't have made any difference to the fact that there was a result. Um, but yeah, I think Australia are going to play at the moment, it looks like a little bit smarter cricket um, and reacted, I think, really, really well to what England um, England did. And, and certainly, we, yes, time will tell whether that approach of sticking men out on the fence is going uh, to work. Um, Lords is, you know, is, is a pretty quick scoring ground. Headingly is a pretty quick scoring ground with the, with the outfields there. So we'll see, you know, whether that you know whether that works it's actually quite big square at Edgebaston so I think you know I think they actually had that you know a little bit of a tactical advantage on that those playing surfaces so look we'll see uh, see how it all goes but Baldy mm. changes for Australia it looks as if the Twitter sphere at least um, and you know if paint on the outfield where the run-ups are being marked is anything to go but it looks as if you know Stark's been out there with the tape measure mm. um, and, and checking which end he wants to bowl for do you, do you see any changes for Australia? I would consider it I mean 
I don't know. I actually don't know, and I've maybe underprepared for this podcast, but I don't know how Mitchell Stark bowls at Lords in, in terms of his. You know, he could probably only bowl there two or three times max, but I don't know how he bowls at Lords. I'd be interesting to see how he deals with the slope and the angle that that ground creates for him. I think Australia will consider him very, very strongly, and I've said this in the past that we'll, you know, we'll consider someone and then pick Scott Boland. I actually think they'll pick Mitchell Stark for this next Test match, but you know, Mitch Marsh was lining up, marking out his run yeah. up on the yeah. day of on the day of the first Test. So who knows what mind games are going on? I like the idea of having Mitchell Stark at Lords because if the ball is going to swing and or reverse swing. He's a much better exponent of that than anyone else in the Australian team. I think it's probably fair to say. And he could provide a point of difference where if England are going hard at Australia and we need to shorten them up a little bit or we need to change up a length and we're not bowling the same kind of ball at England all the time as Boland and Hazelwood maybe were guilty of doing a little bit, then there is, there is the option to use Stark to vary our attack a little bit more. And, and it looks like Rahan Army it's been brought into the England squad, so you know we won't we won't kind of go through all the permutations because yeah by the time this comes out it'll be very close to to time for the toss and things and uh, we obviously want to leave some time for New Zealand content in this podcast but I think on the mental jousting side a question for for you guys and and maybe for the listeners and what and viewers uh, watching on are we going to be able to see this Ian Chappell uh, Ian Botham thing because the the highlights of these little clips trailers that I've seen of where they basically I had no idea about this feud but it seems to be been going on for it's been 50 the years or something 70s, yeah. yep. and, and they just have never talked and they get locked in this room whether it's how staged that is I'm sure there's a little bit of that but it, that it, the the trailer that I have seen looked quite spicy and I would quite like to watch it so if anyone knows whether that I can get some footage of that here in New Zealand that would be fantastic yeah look, um, maybe one for the listeners and watchers uh, Lippy say so yeah comment if you've got a dodgy stream that you can send Lippy's way <laughs> or a uh, legit one or, or, a, or, or a legit one just to answer Baldy's question about Stark he's played one game at Lords averages 51 okay yeah. with the ball so not brilliant. Yeah. And look, I don't think England are going to go with the form book either. Chris Wokes has got a really low average at Lords. Mm. Um, look, Ryan Ahmed is there. I, I, I don't think he's a chance to play, if I'm brutally honest. I think if Moeen Ali is, uh, yeah, isn't able to play, I think they'll go with Joe Root's off spin. Um, and that will give them the opportunity to get Mark Wood, um, Mark, Wood uh, Mark Wood in. I think that's a good move. And I think the only potential worry for England going into that game is uh, Jimmy Anderson apparently hasn't pulled up uh, super well after a, a heavy outfield and a flat wicket um, in that first yeah first game. And he was obviously coming off the back of a groin injury, mm, so he'd not right. not got the same amount of overs into the legs as, as Stuart Broad and Ollie Robinson. Um, but yeah, I think if, if Ali's fit, I think it will be a pretty similar side. The question mark for me will just be whether they can, uh, yeah, potentially leave out one of the seamers and, and bring uh, and bring Wood in um, instead. But yeah, as you said, the toss a little over twenty four hours away uh, for that second uh, second second game. Let's move on and. We're going to talk. We'll, we'll finish let's with New the Zealand. Zealand. Let's go yeah. the ICC. So let's go to the, the ICC qualifiers. So. I, um, I mean, I, don't worry. I can get plenty of New Zealand content in this in this well, chat. Well, yeah, I'm, look, I'm sure you can. And look, as I said off air, uh, Logan Van Beek. I thought it was James Van Der Beek, and there was a Dawson's <laughs> Creek story breaking. But uh, Logan Van Beek in the World Cup qualifier for the Netherlands. Um, I can't. I, the, the stats something incredible. The highest scoring tie 
374. Um, it's been an absolute run fest over there in Sorry, Zimbabwe. The tide score before the Super Over was, was 374. Holy shnikes. The, yeah. the scores over there have been amazing, like absolutely amazing. Zimb- I mean, yeah, we'll get we'll get to Logan Van Beek in a second, but Zimbabwe's scores. I mean, Zimbabwe has scored 291 for two off their 44 overs to beat Nepal, 319 for four off 40 overs to beat the Netherlands, and then 268 was enough to beat the West Indies. And then they scored 400 last night against the USA. Just, like, I mean, Zimbabwe, we saw kind of in the T20 World Cup, kind of the exciting players they have. Sikandaraza then obviously got an IPL gig after that. So, I mean, very, very exciting for, for their cricket and to be playing at home. But, yeah, I mean, I think we've got to start with this Netherlands West Indies stuff. I mean, yeah, Logan Van Beek and Jason Holder, what a what a twenty minutes it was for them. Last ball of the game for anyone who doesn't know. Yeah, three seven uh Netherlands were on three seventy four, so needed one run to to win the game outright in you know, regulation, I guess. Logan Van Beek chips the ball, try, you know, tries to hit it over mid on to for the winning runs. Jason Holder dives and catches it, you know, goes to a super over. And then runs in and bowls the super over and Logan Van Beek takes him for 30 off the over. Mm. And it's just game over after that. Just, I mean, amazing stuff because I think if you're Logan Van Beek at that point, you're thinking, oh no, like here was my chance to win this game, be the hero, because he'd scored, I think, 28 off 14 or something. And one for 77 with the ball. Yes, which which probably in in those conditions is actually not too bad. Mm. Um, But yeah, amazing, amazing hitting and, and awesome stuff. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> it was good. It was good. I mean, I, I didn't. I haven't seen the highlights of the actual um, regulation time, but I've watched the the super over stuff. Mm. Incredible hitting. But I must say, the boundary on the leg side didn't look like it was uh, the MCG. It looked a bit a bit shorter. No, no. That, like I said, they've all just been roads over there. Yeah. Last night I was watching the Zimbabwe. Uh, the Zimbabwe innings kind of had the the Spark Sport the sort of final. Maybe this was the final game that was going to be on Spark Sport the the women's test last night. Women's Ashes, and then uh, yeah, had had on the on the TV, had uh, Zimbabwe just flying it flying it to all parts. Yeah, just it's it's just amazing how many runs they're scoring. And mm. I mean, yeah, I guess there's a few different areas we could go. I think the biggest thing I want to say is that West Indies are, are just about toast. Like yeah. they're not going to make this World Cup final. Basically, for you know, the Super Six is now decided. I think there's some games overnight to sort of decide who the points go through you know who's going to take the most points Scotland and Sri Lanka I think is probably what the biggest game in, in that sense about who's going to yeah take the points over they might even be playing right now are they yeah. they yeah. are playing now and yep. the winner will take through four points yes yep. yes but basically Zimbabwe uh, West Indies are going through to the Super 6 with zero points they they need to win every game yeah they're going to have to win every game and, and hope that the teams that are going in there with four which is going to be Zimbabwe it's going to be the, the winner of Sri Lanka or Scotland, and you know now even the Netherlands are going to be taking some points through as well. I, I just think they've got no ch- like it feels like the West Indies are gone, and I don't know. That's that, and, and the outcome of the Super Six is top two go top through. Top two go yeah. through. Right. Top so two no play in the final. Or top anything. two play in the final. Yep. But, but uh, they both through. But they both through. They're both through. Right. There's no semis. There's no yeah. You know yeah. You have to you have to carry those points through. So it's. Mm. It's all really to, challenging. All, all to be Ireland gone as well. Ireland, have Ireland have been yeah, terrible. Host, yeah. They've been terrible. They lost all three games so far in this this tournament. They lost to Oman. Oman. Yeah, because yeah. Oman made it through to the Super Sixes. And they're they're playing the UAE for basically the wooden spoon at the moment. Yeah. 100, 100 for one. 
Which has got to be incredibly disappointing for, mm. for them. And, and, you know, I mean, we talked about it last week. I mean, they, they've, you know, had some challenges. They haven't quite been the team that they had, they were a few years ago when they had, you know, I guess probably the team that we fondly remember is with the O'Briens and, and yeah. you know, all those kind of guys. But, yeah. I, I think the biggest thing there is that their players haven't been playing counter cricket. It's, it's got to have had a massive effect on... Yeah. Um, on yeah. preparation. On preparation, yeah. So, well, in the Netherlands, but I mean, I mean, the Netherlands have got six or seven guys out and this, they're all playing county cricket at the moment. I mean, you know, we uh, giving some more New Zealanders a shout-out. Teja Nidamanuru, who's played a lot of club cricket here in, in Auckland, scored 100 and, yeah, like Max O'Dowd, 30-odd run, 30-odd at the top of the order. Mm. You know, those those guys kind of set that, that innings up for Logan to finish at the end. So from a West Indies perspective, to anyone here at the panel, where, where does this put them looking forward to their future? Well, this is something I was contemplating in the drive on the way over. I, I think it can go one of two ways. I'm not going to be surprising anyone to say it could go one of two ways here for <laughs> the West Indies. on the fence here. No, no. I am re- I'm really concerned that this could be the beginning of the end of the West Indies. I don't, I don't think it's the, the thing is, I don't think it's the beginning. They've, they've been pretty poor at international at, at ICC tournaments for, for a little while. They just about missed out on qualification for the last one. They only just kind of snuck in there, mm. didn't play very well in those tournaments. You know, they got knocked out and uh, was it last super, uh, one of the T20 World Cups? They got knocked out at last couple of T20 World Cups. They got knocked mm. out in sort of that little qualifying stage beforehand. Yeah, they've been. Bad, I guess you could say, if you you know, in comparison to what we expect from them for a little while. And, and the problem, I think, is not so much with their performances, like did they win tournaments and and all those kinds of things. It's that they, for a very long time now, haven't been able to organise themselves to get their best players on the field when it matters most. And there are myriad reasons for that. The problem with not performing on the field then is there's no then also no incentive for those players to come back. There's no incentive for players to want to prioritise West Indian cricket over other forms of cricket, and so it's almost this self-perpetuating thing where West Indian cricket is poor because they can't get the right players and they can't get the right players before because they're poor and there's this kind of circular. Mm-hmm. Um, Reinforcement of of mediocrity and poor performance. Did you want to ask me what, what I think about it? What do you think, Raj? Can well, I ask well, you, Raj, what you think about I'm it? I'm glad you asked. Uh, that <laughs> I actually have a bit more of a positive Thank spin you. on it. Please, um, just Go sort for of it. round it out. I, I actually think that you know the West Indies has been a basket case of an administration for a, a while now. I think they have put a lot of steps in to to you know fix that or you know remediate that. They're they're doing, they're making baby steps. I think the the appointment of Darren Sammy uh, as the head coach for the West Indies is actually a really good one and his first comments that came out were this is actually the state of West Indies cricket at the moment he's actually being honest and going Mm. looking at the you know the team the board everything in the mirror and going this is where we're at we need to fix it Mm. so I do think that it's a positive step making that sort of comment and going we need to fix it and I think they will. I think they will get there. They've got the talent. It's just getting oh, them yeah. all on the park yeah. at the same time. It's, it's never been a question of talent, has it, for the West Indies? It's always yeah. been a question of can they get them all rallied around the same cause? Yeah, I think the issue is is going to be, though, that they're now going to be in this qualifying um, hell um, leading into the big tournaments. And there aren't enough windows now for, for them to be able to get that availability of, the, of those players. In a way, I think it's probably... I'm not, not going to. I'm going to use the word good. That you've got a bunch of players that are probably at the end of their, 
you know, their international life, even if they were available. So, you know, the the, the likes of an Andre Russell, for example, uh, Karen Pollard's obviously retired reasonably recently. Yeah, you've got a handful of players that probably still should be at the races that, that aren't. Um, so I'm thinking of someone like an Evan Lewis, you know, probably gets into this uh, white ball side when he's on, you know, when he's on that level of form. But they've, they've got the likes of Alzari Al Joseph, they've got the likes of Poran, they've got the likes of obviously Holder, Brooks, um, you know, that, that are in and around that side. It's just really now they have to be able to get those 15 best guys together to qualify for the next one. Otherwise, I've, I've got to say I'm with, I'm with Baldy, even with the appointment of someone like Darren Sammy. If they go two or three years in the wilderness and their talent is off playing in, uh, you know, big franchise tournaments, I just wonder how they sustain the ability to then call those guys mm. back up and make it compelling for them. And can, can I just say, I really hope that Raj is right. And I'm oh, I do as well. I yeah, really, really hope that. I mean, because they've, like you say, they've got some fantastic cricketers. Throw Taz Chanderpool in there from a test opening perspective. Like they've always got talented, talented players. I, I just hope that Darren Sammy or someone like him if it's not him then someone like him is a catalyst for well we've kind of reached the nadirish nadirs that we can get to we can't get I much lower than about the west indies already uh, the, I, in, I hope that i'm wrong six months ago i hope that i'm wrong but they're riding the crest of a slump at the moment it must be said but at the end of the day they're a test playing nation you know compared to the other nations that are in here that, that they are a test playing nation that will have the opportunity to pull themselves out of this, uh, as you're as you're saying, Baldy, but it's they got to do the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, but I think uh, I mean the positive for them is that then like the Super League that we've had, this World Cricket World Cup Super League, is actually now done. That that little trophy finishes in New Zealand's cabinet. But then, uh, like now, we're going back to fourteen teams for for the next World Cup. It, in a way, watching this tournament, it feels a shame we're not having fourteen. Like I love the ten team format. I think you you do end up with you know as a just a tournament on its own. I think you end up with the best kind of team wins when like, and it feels like a real campaign. I think I've talked about that in the past about yeah. how I just love the World Cup because the ODI World Cup because you get that length of time with your squad and you play all these games and stuff. But yeah, they're going to be going back to the fourteen team set up next time with groups and all the rest of it. With yeah. groups and and you know it, it means that the uh, I think South Africa, it's in South Africa and, the, uh, and Zimbabwe, so South Africa and Zimbabwe will qualify automatically. Then the top top eight sides by ranking, which may or may not be the West Indies at, at that point. You you know we just named all, all these sides that are that are actually starting to play well, and we're seeing the US and seeing Oman and all, and all these other sides starting to kind of punch up a little bit I mean it's it's still going to be a challenge for them in the way that it's a challenge for Ireland and, and all these yeah. other squads but yeah I, I I do think the the 14 team World Cup is going to then be a benefit to them because they'll be sort of back in that mix with maybe without having to look at those hard questions but yeah like you say hopefully they're being asked anyway well, and for the third time on the podcast, three seventy four versus three seventy four, it's uh, they've certainly entertained us. It's, um, it's been very entertaining, that's for yeah. sure. Let's move on and, and wrap up the podcast with some New Zealand news. Um, I know that we've, uh, ironically, Lippy uh, listener and viewer figures go going up as we've not covered <laughs> New Zealand cricket over the course of the last um, two or three weeks. I but think that's just down to all the fantastic work you've been doing in the studio, YouTube yeah, studio. Okay. So we, look, we've, we've got we've got a little bit um, on the, the the white ferns, and, and then also I think um, want to talk a little bit about uh, Michael Bracewell. Also, mm. see Kane Williamson as well as yeah, said teasing us, teasing us that he you know he's taking it a day at a time or a week at a time, and, and could 
potentially make it to the World Cup? Or is that just a little bit of psychological motivation so he can uh, get into the gym? Uh, I think he's just teasing us to be fair. Yeah, I, mean, I think, I mean, I, he did sort of say, yeah, I I saw the, the little clip that the Black Caps put on their, um, their social, you know, I did, yeah, a little, little thing that popped up on Instagram and I thought, oh, hell, here we go. Here's Kane popping up and he's at the gym and he's looking good and he's just been down to the nets and all this kind of stuff. And I started having all those thoughts that, that you're saying and then, you know, then he, then he talks and then you read interviews that he's given over the past couple of days. It must have been a media day for him. He's given interviews with News Hub and a few other people, and yeah, he. I mean, he definitely says it, it would be very close to. Uh, it would be on the the real early end of of the recovery phase. Talks about how you know it's there's a very clear pattern on what you need to do in terms of recovery for for ACL injuries and all that kind of stuff. What I did like about all the stuff he was saying is that he talked about how he wants to play for a reasonable amount of time after that. You know, it's not just about trying to make the World Cup. It's obviously he's thinking about his his future, and I, I mean, I don't think there were huge questions around, you know, how long, how much longer does he have? But I think there were, you know, you always kind of think, okay, like he's he's achieved a lot in the game. How much longer does he want to go for? And you know, will he be around for these next kind of cycles? And hopefully, from that conversation, it seems like seems like he will be, because in the same way that we've talked about with Joe Root, his batting's just seem to have gone gone to another level uh, since he's you know stepped back from the captaincy. So. Yeah, very, very encouraging, I think, from from a lot of points of view. But he's not going to be there for the World Cup. I, I would be absolutely stunned. The mentor. He'll well, be yeah, there yeah. On the sideline with the earpiece. Well, we'll be there with the earpiece and the guitar. Maybe you'll write a song that you can. I hope uh, so. Yeah, you can I hope have a so. Sticking with injury, Michael Bryce. Well, so we we did tease mm. that a little bit last week. What what does that mean for for New Zealand's World Cup uh, squad? I guess and and the makeup. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, yeah, what do you what do you think, Raj? Because I think, I mean, yeah, anyone who doesn't know, obviously this is you know, if you happened a few weeks ago, but ruptured his Achilles at the blasts. I think he's had surgery already, and you know, he's yeah, he's out for for six months. Which yeah, they've they've been very clear that does rule him out for the World Cup. They're not even you know thinking about it. It might rule him out for uh, you know the whole New Zealand summer. We'll see, I guess, coming back. But I mean, my first thought when that happened was just that it really sucks for him because. You know, he's someone, regardless of what you think of his position in the New Zealand squad and, and how he's sort of, um, bec- I mean, he has become a really valuable member of that squad, sort of balancing balancing it out as the all-rounder. But, you know, he's someone who's over 30 and going into, uh, you know, he he's made international cricket late in his career. He might not get another ODI World Cup. And, you know, he was going to play, he was going to play a big role in India. It, uh, those crowds will be amazing. It would have been an awesome tournament to be at. You, you know, like we just said, it's a ten-team tournament. You're going to play a lot of games. Like, yeah, he would have had a lot of games under the bright lights. He's already scored 140 odd against India in, in those conditions. So, yeah, it's it kind of just sucks from a, from him from a personal point of view. But yeah, what do you think it's going to do to the balance of our our squad? Yeah, that, that's the key word, isn't it? Balance is going to be uh, a bit of an issue, definitely in the subcontinent. The fact that he's gone there and done it already is actually a big, you know, mental sort of factor for me that he's not going to be there. Mm. Puts a lot of pressure on the likes of uh, Jimmy Nisham, Mitchell Santner, Rutsch, and I don't know who actually. Um, yeah, will, Chappie will, might be in that. Mark, Ch- Mark Chapman yeah. might be in that mix. So a lot of pressure on on those guys uh, who maybe don't haven't done it before or or have to play a role that they may not be happy with. Mm. Um, Jimmy Nisham, I think that he'll fit in well. He seems to always rise to the occasion and I think this could be one of those uh, where he rises to the occasion we're going to need some late order hitting yeah um, will, will Glenn Phillips be doing a lot of bowling in the nets at the moment do you think 
Well, I think it sounds like he always does a lot of bowling in the nets and always is keen to, to do a bit of stuff. I wonder if Chapman's, you know, Mark Chapman's saying the same. Uh, yeah, like say, uh, you know, mate, I think it probably opens the door for Jimmy Neesham. I don't, I, we we'd had this conversation a few a few months ago, really, whether whether he was penciled into that squad or not. And and I think he was fighting with the likes of Chapman, the likes of Rutchen and all those kind of guys to to whether he would be there and. Um, you know, maybe this now opens the door for him. But the one question I had, I know we sort of talk a lot about this, in, you know, World Cup in India and thinking, oh, like my head goes immediately to the test pitches and you think, okay, it's going to be turning and spin is going to play a big role. But the ODIs that I've seen there recently, they've been absolute roads. Mm-hmm. Like, do, is spin going to play as big a role as we actually think it's going to be? I mean, I know it does in the IPL and in the T20 game, but I started to wonder actually... Maybe maybe we don't need to be maybe we don't need to be thinking oh you need three spinners in your lineup or you probably just need smart bowlers in the likes of you know bowlers that can bowl cutters and you know maybe that brings someone like Daryl Mitchell into this situation I, I don't know it'll be very interesting but yeah like from around the table it, it, am I kind of is this wishful thinking now that a spinner has been ruled out or are we automatically going to put another spinner you know does it mean Ish comes into the lineup? Or, or actually, are these pitches going to be a lot flatter than we realise? Yeah, look, I think it. Look, it's a really interesting question, and I think the way ODI cricket is going, it's more around. You don't necessarily see as much of that build phase now in the middle of the innings. You mm. see teams actually continue to chase wickets and continue to go with the bat as well. I think obviously because of the way that T20s um, enabled you to sort of you know continue to utilise those resources. So uh, for for me, the, the biggest challenge for New Zealand is going to be to get some variety into that um, into that attack. Um, you've got a lot of similar pace right arm seamers. Mm. You've obviously got Bolt as your left arm option, but then you've tried some others. Um, Milne, I think, will be you know be important. Lockie potentially will be important. Uh, one of those two. I think one of those a, two fighting for a, a spot, point, and you've point, got Saudi and Henry fighting. You know, a, a working point on the other difference. Ones. So I think it's really just around how do you replace the plan that you will now need to enact, yeah. rather than necessarily the the, the cattle. So for me, just like momentum is, is a massive word in the IPL, I think degradation is the big word mm. uh, for this. That's uh, F1, this, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. But also for the, the 2023 50-over uh, World Cup, India, I think, are playing at 10 different venues, I believe they released in those yeah. fixtures. Uh, that was one of the big sticking points because Pakistan only wanted to pay at four, four or five. Yeah. Or, so they're at five, they're I think. They're at five, yeah. but I think they wanted four. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's interesting um, how that sort of played out. I think degradation is going to be important. Uh, it's, you know, you know how quickly pitches you know, yeah. degrade. In, in and and real, real challenge for New Zealand to be able to put together a squad that's got... Um, depth across different bowling options mm-hmm. you know can new zealand produce a world class fifth bowling option in three or four different sets of conditions which is probably what we're going to look at facing in india we've yeah. seen it in the ipl different wickets behave slightly differently and force squads to throw different options out game by game and even you know match up by match up so i think that's going to be new zealand's real challenge is they'll find some good players to go into that world cup squad some great players but are they going to be able to find enough different looks to throw at oppositions for that fifth bowling option to give them two, maybe even three different options each game that suit the conditions that they're going to be playing in? Yeah, it's a good it's a good point about the yeah the options. I, I think that I think that's going to be crucial. I, and, and I mean, I guess just rounding up the New Zealand stuff, the the White Ferns playing 
Sri Lanka right now. I don't know if you guys want to actually check the score. I think the game. was looking at it The earlier. game actually has you know very recently started. I think it was about to to. Uh, New Zealand was batting first. But 64 for one. Um, yeah, the game obviously over by the time you listen to this. So yeah, that yeah, score yeah. update, not super relevant. Not super relevant, but I think... It, rain, the, rain affected. Yeah, rain 20, affected 20, 29, game. 29 overs. Down to 29 overs. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's... Uh, yeah, we'll probably talk about this more maybe next week in terms of, uh, you know, what actually happens on this tour. But, I mean, just cool to see the, the White Ferns over in Sri Lanka. I think not many of them have been, the uh, the squad have been over there before. And um, I think in, on a couple of little White Ferns points in that uh, Jess Kerr was ruled out of this uh, this tour and that opened the door for, for Lee Kasparik to come back, who is someone who awesome. has been sort of knocking on, well, not even knocking on the door. She's been, been awesome. A, a, a notable omission in yeah, all the yeah. squads in recent times and, and is now, uh, obviously the door has been opened for, for her to return and, and we'll see how many opportunities she gets on this tour. But yeah, very, very good to see her back in the squad. Awesome. Well, guys, we will be back next week and every week for the next uh, five or six. We'll be wrapping up some Ashes cricket, leading into some more Ashes cricket, talking about the aftermath of the cricket uh, World Cup qualifiers and the White Ferns, um, as well as any other cricketing action going on um, around the world. I'm sure there's some franchise stuff going on. But for now, it is good night and good bless from us all here in Auckland. We'll see you next week, where hopefully me and Baldy will still be talking <laughs> um, after round two. Um, of WrestleMania 17. It's the Ashes um, coming up on the Top Order podcast over the next few weeks. We'll see you soon. Good night.